0: What's up traders? Welcome to the day trading show. My name is Austin Silver. I am your host and I really appreciate you being here. Before we get into the conversation with Richard Thomason and my co-host James Bruce, I want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Surge Trader. You're going to hear more about that in a second. Today's conversation talks not just about Richard's trading experience and his trading history, but we talk a lot about psychology psychology. We'll talk about how he used his chemical engineering degree as one of the degrees he has to enhance his trading performance. We're going to talk about trading from just a lot of different angles that you might not have heard of before. So make sure you're focused. Take notes if you need, and you can connect with Richard. His Twitter is linked down below. We really appreciate you guys being here as listeners. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Now enjoy the conversation with Richard Thomason. All right, everybody, we are back with another episode. We appreciate you listening in. Today, we sit down with Richard Thomason and our special guest, of course, Mr. James Bruce. So we have a South African versus American podcast today. I'm outnumbered for the first time, I think, on the show here, right, Richard? Because you're in Cape Town. James, where are you now, James? You're coming in from a different location today. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm currently from in, in St. Francis Bay. I'm coming from St. Francis Bay at the moment.
0: Nice, nice. And Richard, it's good to speak with you. I appreciate you coming on.
2: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the shout-outs and um it's an honor to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So Richard, I think for sake of the audience, some people might not be familiar with you and your story as much as James and myself know you through the internet. Could you kind of catch everybody up a little a little bit just maybe where you found trading, how long you've been trading and kind of what do you do for your trading strategy? What does that look like on a big picture?
2: Sure. so so I've sort of been interested in markets um, since my late 20s, which is, you know, sort of 20 years ago. Um, I got interested, I was at a, a business opportunities expo and I was looking for something to sort of make money on the side while I was uh, starting up my career um, at a company called Unilever and uh, they had they were selling a course um, and there was a raffle to 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 win the course I put my name down my email address and um, I didn't win the course but uh, the consultant rang me up on Monday and and tried to sell me the course um, and it was one of these sort of manuals that you learned and it was I think a cd at the time and um, installed some software and if you just followed the stochastic when it was at the bottom and sold at the top then you would you know make a hundred percent in the year and no right. problem. So, right. so that's what kind of really got me going. And I thought, well, if I just study these things and I'm, I'm a pretty diligent guy, then um, I'm off to the races, you know. So that's how I got started. Um, so I've been trading the South African, you know, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange since 2003, which is, you know, almost 20 years now. And um, then the U.S. markets, um, I did a little bit of time in Chicago, about three months uh, in 2011. So that's when I sort of started out in an account, put some USD over there. And I've been trading that ever since I've moved brokerage once and and um just kind of uh things have evolved and got better and brokerage has got cheaper and um yeah so that's 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 kind of me in a nutshell I I the type of the type of trader that i am um i'm I'm not a day trader as i mentioned to you i'm an i'm an end of day trader I will keep an eye on the markets in the day during my you know i'm a full time employee at a at a small company um i did work in large large corporate for about 20 years and the last 18 months i've been in a smaller type operation um so i'll I'll, i'm a trend-based trader discretionary and um i'll really just monitor the market throughout the day but i won't act on anything unless sort of signals are given to me uh, you know sort of a close of day uh, bar
0: no i love that i love that that's very good information first question for you can you take us back since you have so many years of experience i have a lot of questions about technology and how it's changed but first just to understand you a little bit more i like to ask some of the guests this question take us back to 16 17 year old richard was he interested in finance was he like looking was he entrepreneurial what were you like then i'm curious
2: wow i mean you know in high school i was i would say I was probably heading down t- toward a, a sort of accounting, chartered accountant stream, and that was kind of my favorite subject. But in my final year of high school, I, I got really bored with that. Um, I thought it was just too much, um, you know, debit, credit. And and I had a little bit of an eye on the markets that time. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not an entrepreneur. I'd say I fit the mold of a corporate You know, cookie cuts a person to the T. And only of late, I've really started to break away from that. Um, But I've always fancied kind of breaking out and being the master of my own destiny. So that's a kind of later in life that kind of, um, instead of going down the road that's traveled by most people, what appealed to me about trading is, you know, the the normal cliche thing being about being your own boss, training from anywhere like James on the golf course now at the moment and um, and not having to answer to anyone, keeping own hours and things like that we all can
0: definitely relate to that. So it's interesting and that spawned a bunch of questions for me as a part-time trader, someone who has another job and is looking to still grow their, you know, trading account and you've been able to do that year over year now. I think a lot of people are looking for that same type of path where they're not necessarily like looking to just quit and leave their job. They just want to add to their income and a I mean, look at the macroeconomic situation we're living in with inflation and everything getting more expensive by the day. Literally, before I finish this sentence, you know, um, people need more money. So what would you say before we do a little bit more on you? What would you say to like a trader who's thinking about or trying to get started in markets as a part-time trader? What kind of advice would you give to that? I'm curious.
2: So look, I mean, I wouldn't say throw in the towel with your job straight away you know you need to start um i, I didn't paper trade for a long time I, i'd say there's there's a time and a place for that maybe starting out getting getting used to your systems but um you know everyone starts on a small account unless you've kind of been born with a silver spoon in your mouth and um and that's not play on your on your um your <laughs> yeah, name, that's Austin, good that's good I'm i didn't even realize that, that, now, that yeah. didn't even hit me at first that was good yeah um but I mean, I, I think the the guys that will succeed are people that really have a passion. I think passion is number one. You really got to be interested in this, and you know, it goes for anything in life and 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 career. Um, you've got to be really interested in markets, and I think passion will drive you through the good and the the bad times. Um, and then you know, it's it's around handling the the tough times as well. So no strategy will really work. All the time you know trend trend following goes through ups and downs so does scalping mean reversion um or whatever strategy you, you employ and maybe you want to blend a couple of those but i'd say um be open uh, open-minded and um you know go going with the growth mindset if you fail at first think what can i learn from it um and you know you might you might wipe out your accounts but but just keep trying and eventually you'll kind of put some themes together and it's just about growing that capital and and maybe at some stage, you you will be able to quit your job if that's what you want to do. Um, and maybe you just want a good life um, with some extra income on the side to spend some more time with your kids. And that was kind of my approach. Um, there were times in my career where I really just wanted to break out of corporate, and I really hated my job. Um, of late, I've felt less like that. I've actually found some more meaningful work now. But I'm still passionate about markets, and I really love doing that. Um Yeah. Well said of that answered well. your question, yeah.
0: Yes, it did. No, it did. Because, well, you've said at first how important passion is. And I love that you said that because I've said that to a lot of people because as I've been trading for eight years now, not as long as you, but people who oh. used to I, – I have some people in my life, like even my dad I think about who used to think like – Trading is impossible. I can't learn it. Now they've seen my success and they're like, well, maybe I can learn it. And the first thing I tell them always is if you're not passionate about trading, you're not going to be able to make it work. It's just not going to get to the fullest extent. Could you make some short-term good investing decisions? Sure. But if you're not really passionate about it, it won't fill the bucket, which ties into what you said at the end there, Richard, of now you're finding some of the new work you're doing, you're finding fulfillment in, which you're really enjoying. That's what we are. We're like, for human beings, we're just about finding what fulfills us. And everybody, it is different. But I think if you want trading, if you think it is that for you, for our listeners, you have to be passionate about it, or it will not fulfill you. It will actually just drive you crazy and probably give you gray hair, and then you end up with no hair, you look like James. You know what I'm saying? But really quick, Richard, I do want to backtrack for a second. Now, and I and just tell a little story. You mentioned the chartered accounting, the credits, and the debits as being an area of like something where you just kind of got hung up. My story with that, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about this, but I was in university and I've been selling forever. Like I tried to sell my mom's jewelry at a yard sale when I was like 13. You know, I will sell anything, I was, I always had a little business in the neighborhood doing shit, always. But when I got to college at the time, I was still DJing on the weekends doing my bar mitzvahs and weddings on the weekends and I'm making money and I'm seeing how a business actually runs like I'm in inside the company, I know the owner, like I see payroll, I see what's going on. And then I get to accounting, which is a course that I have to pass in order to then be able to take like finance 101 and all the cool business classes in university. I take accounting the first time. I... I'm the kind of guy that if I don't love it, if I'm not passionate about it, I'm just going to kind of skate by. Like I had like I think a 2.9 GPA in high school. I was just average because I didn't like it. You know, I, I was like, why do I need to know this stuff? But the things I like learning about, I have no problem learning. I love learning. So I take accounting and I can't pass. I, I realize like three, four, five weeks in, something like that, that I'm like, I'm not going to pass this class. It's going to hurt my GPA. And at the time, now in college, because I started to take classes I liked, I had made dean's list. Like I was doing well. So I was like, let me drop this. I don't want to hurt my GPA. I'll pick it back up. Well, I go to pick it back up the next semester and I do it online. Well, that goes even worse because it still just didn't click with me. Like the accounting credits, it didn't make sense. And in my head, I kept saying to my advisors, to my teachers, I was like, if I'm going to run a business, do you really think everyone that runs a business does every role in that business? Like wouldn't I just hire the kid that is in this class with me that's just doing better? And of course, they had no good answer to that. And that was part of the reason why I left school and dropped out of university completely because then I had to shift over to communications as a major. And communications is not an area that I struggle in. They're teaching me communication theory and all this other stuff. I'm just like, this is not going to help me. So that's when trading did pick up and I left school. But it's funny that we both kind of come from the same background of like trying that chartered accountant thing, seeing if it works, trying to go into the traditional business route. And it just didn't fit for either of us. So is that something that you would say, Uh, just a side question, like throughout your life, would you say you've taken a more unconventional path or do you think for the most part you've tried to follow what success has already told you works before?
2: No, I'd say I, I, I followed a more conventional path. So I've studied a few degrees and, uh, to be honest, my, my undergraduate degree, I think I mentioned it to you when we were kind of getting to know each other. Um, one of the, my characteristics and, 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 trading teaches you a lot about yourself, as you know, um, you have to learn about yourself intimately. Um, I, I'm quite a stubborn guy and um, w- when I put my mind to something, I'll kind of pursue it until it's complete. So I studied chemical engineering and I, I knew quite early on that this wasn't quite me, but I was going to prove that I could do it and see it through to the end. So whilst trading requires you to be quite structured in your approach, you also have to be fluid and and move off that. And, and you know, in my running as well, I will, I'll follow traditional um, training techniques use the same shoes whereas my friends have moved on to these graphite uh, things that bounce better and and they've moved away from who mm-hmm. to morton which is now what Kitcho is using but if i've done something that's worked for me i'll stick with that method so i can have the blinkers on and i'll just and and that's kind of can be a downfall in trading as well you know if you're not flexible and um you need to be very confident going to trade but you also need to kind of make your mind up uh quickly if if you're wrong and be cool with that you know so Um, So I'd say that I've followed a conventional path. And, um, yeah, I think probably one of the things that I've struggled with is is being confident. Um, Confidence is probably one of my areas that, and maybe that's me trying to prove myself in life the whole time. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of of where I'm coming from, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think... The engineering background, now you got me thinking that's interesting too because I feel like traditionally engineers are meticulous. They're very detailed, and those are characteristics yeah. that translate well into trading when you're documenting, journaling, studying data. I mean you know because I, I know, like again, from seeing your stuff online, like a lot of the um, d- decisions probably – I'm mean, tell me if I'm wrong. But a lot of the decisions you've made in your trading are probably based on data and and some type of study of of actual – numbers and math. So do you think that a lot of the skills you learned in studying to be a chemical engineer translated into trading? Were they skills you already had before then? I'm curious.
2: I I think it kind of amplified them. You know, I was always interested in charts and, um, engineering engineers love charts. So I I love charting. I love technical analysis, um, you know, support and resistance, that sort of stuff speaks to me volume. Um, um, so it, 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 it taught me to be very analytical and it really honed that skill. Um, and methodical uh, problem solving approach uh whereas the market it's it's not something that can be kind of solved right you, you you're always um you don't know whether you'll be wrong like if you if you go into a casino and you bet you know immediately the outcome whereas in in trading there's always that hope or the fear or you know, if you just, if you just stay in the trade you know so there's not a not a definitive outcome type of thing the whole time um yeah so um so I'd say it kind of honed those skills and um of late what's got me really interested in what would have helped me um more you know from an undergraduate perspective is studying psychology so in the COVID pandemic and of the last few years I got extremely interested in crowd psychology and you know Twitter can be a real good system engage you know yeah I was just looking I found Twitter fascinating you you, you saw you went from two years ago people screenshotting their profits on a daily basis and saying how fantastic they were to, to not really seeing so much of that in the last year. And these people have just kind of disappeared, you know? Um, people didn't sell, that made a lot of money on paper that just didn't sell and got carried out and just don't trade. Some of the accounts are not, not active anymore. Um, and uh, it's been fascinating to watch how, you know, when interest rates have gone up now, how people have kind of, how the wheel has turned in um, certainly in equities, yeah. I don't know from It's almost Torex like churned.
0: It's almost like churned those people out of the market as the wheel grinds forward and the interest rates have grinded higher. It's taken a lot of the amateur participants out of the market. The people that just put money in Robinhood and hit buy and then three days later they're up fifteen hundred percent or something like that.
2: Yeah, and there was a great there was a great video someone made of. Um... The sort of sequence that Dave, Davey Day Dave Trader, was his name. Yeah, I, I was. I, of, of, Dave, I'm sure you guys saw that. Where of course it you know, was like, oh, buy anything today, and then it, you know, a, a few months <laughs> down the line, or a year down the line, it was like, you know, I'm I'm giving up. This is just terrible. Yeah, you know, yep. I can't make yep. money anymore, and and he's back to his, you know, what he's doing, bar stool, selling pizzas or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> it was just a fantastic <laughs> journey to watch that. Yeah, it was, and he was like, he felt
0: like he was like leading the retail trader army, and then he let. I mean. It's typical. uh, There's cycles. Like, you know, you've been around for many years. You've seen there are many cycles to markets. There's big cycles and small cycles. That's something Ray Dalio talks about a lot. I'm curious, speaking of cycling, another sport, you mentioned running. Are you into sports? Is running your main thing? What, What other athletics are you into?
2: Yeah so i mean I, i've tried a lot of things um growing up you know i, I did normal sports at school cricket rugby um and then um I, in university i did a bit of you know scuba diving and river river canoeing but in, in the last sort of since since 97 so it's like that you know 20 over 25 years i've been doing long distance road running and trail running um, and uh, taking part in the the Comrades Marathon, which which James will be familiar with. Um, yeah. It's like a 50-mile yeah. race from Johannes- um, sorry, Peter Maritzburg to Durban, um, which is happening <coughs> in the few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm doing actually a 100-mile trail run in uh, Lake Tahoe in, in, on the 24th of June, actually. I'm coming over there to, uh, to try oh, wow. that, which is the wow. o- the oldest 100-mile trail run in the world. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, so you must be a Cameron Haynes fan, right?
2: Cameron Haynes, I haven't heard of him yet.
0: Oh, really? all right so here's a good right. one for you his new book is indoor he's one of these guys that runs wow. the 100 mile things he has a story in there where he talks about running next to lance armstrong in one of the triathlons like crazy crazy long distance runner it's called yeah it's called indoor i'm pretty sure it's awesome oh, it's a wow. great book check it out and, thanks yeah, and you yeah. oh absolutely and you know like i feel like when you said trading like studying more psychology is what you've been on now i feel like that's something all traders come to at some point they realize i don't need to learn more about a chart there's any multitude of indicators of course we can do research and learn about the indicator it's been taught for many years but all of what trading comes down to especially once you have a strategy with data that has said that strategy works it's all psychology what's the difference like we could be in the same trade richard we're both short the dollar but if we have different psychology different experience i can pull it for a loss and you can make 10 percent. it's all psychology
2: you know great i mean yeah i mean I, i love the um There was a chap, uh, I think, a day trader, Andrew Aziz, he just uh, scaled Everest, and uh, Stephen Goldstein came on there and said, uh, congratulations, Mm. Andrew. The obstacle's not the mountain, it's yourself, right? So, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could be short. And something I don't struggle to do is... is hold on to winners so um this book i'm reading now by by tom hokart he's talking about uh, most people struggle to hold on to winners and they'll cut they'll, they'll quickly take you know you no know, there's there's a lot of different ways of trading you know if you are looking for a quick win or i know you guys um, ha- have a different way of trading but i've never struggled to hold on to a winner um whereas they say a lot of people will get onto a winner and they'll want to quickly take their profit and grab it um Whereas if I'm on a loser, uh, you know, I, I would want to get out of that quite quickly. Whereas there's a lot of people want to um, uh, want to let that run and right. um, maybe add to it even. Which is right. Hilarious. Move the stop loss yeah. or add. To- Where are you a yeah. robot, Richard? Like why are
0: you do? Why are you able to do the opposite <laughs> so naturally?
2: No, I've see. I've been through my, my my. I've been through all the mistakes. Don't worry. Of
0: course. <laughs> of
1: course
2: no
0: um, well i'm very yeah. i'm very familiar with andrew z's james and i are connected with him through twitter and i know that he's been doing that yeah. s- that climb of everest and i love reading the stories where he's like i saw this guy on the mountain like he said when he summited it was like the this guy died like yesterday right there and he yeah, saw, saw it, it and he yeah. was like telling this guy, guy. Yes, and yes he kind bro. of like
2: half fived him the day before when he was passing oh god yeah. dude that
0: oh. uh, it that gives me anxiety like, reading that story. Crazy. And like like you said, it, the obstacle is not the mountain. The obstacle is inside here It's because it's clearly doable. And it, that's the same thing like Roger Bannister, right? Like no one was going to do a four-minute mile. And then what happened? One yeah. guy did it, and then like 10 people did it in the next month or the next year. Like it was crazy, right? It's just breaking through those barriers. James, did you have something you wanted to chime in on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hope I'm coming through all good. Yeah, you know, um, Richard yeah. understands the South African uh, struggle with it with the internet. Um, but no, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask Richard. Uh, by, by the way, uh, uh, Austin, Richard, and I, are South Africans, we smart guys. We both got degrees. You, you Americans, you, you quit too easy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, I just wanted to 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 ask. So so Richard is more of uh, you come across. I know I've been following you for for quite some time now. We've I mean, been connected on Twitter for a while, and um, you. You come across more as like a positional trader. Are you how are you getting into your trades on the equities? How long are you typically holding for? And sure. um what are your buy and sell signals? So if you if you're looking to buy a stock, I know you, uh, the other day you mentioned that you don't sell shares, you don't sell stocks, you don't short stocks. Um so what's your buy signals and when do you know when to get out?
2: Okay. Um yeah, so so I mean, I don't have typical scans that are run. Um to say, you know, the volumes up 50% or whatever, whatever. So on the local market, it's it's a lot easier because you've got a universe with a with a bigger account or big ish account, should I say you bigger account, you, you you kind of shrink your universe to 40 or maybe a hundred stocks um, on the local exchange. So I'll kind of focus on those. Um what I'm looking for is is something that's starting to trend. So I'm happy to miss the, the bottom or the top of the trend. Um, and like you said i'm long only equity uh james so i won't go short and you know I, I i would say there's room for me to maybe incorporate that because there's a lot of stocks that i see are clearly in a downtrend and i call a target on them and they go to that um quite often um but what i'm really scared of and particularly in the u.s markets is something like you know uh nvidia for example last night where um it was widely seen as overvalued and uh people that were short got carried out it sort of went up 25 percent after us um on on good or good good insane earnings insane yeah rip. so so what i'm looking at is um you know think things like and it's not how i get in um, moving averages um tr- trending indicators so is the trend is the trend going up is it breaking out of a uh, out of a resistance into sort of a channel um and then what I'm looking to when I'm looking to go out of the of the thing is really is is that trend starting to roll over. Um and I'll you know I'll use a ratchet at a stop loss to to kind of ride that trend as long as it keeps me in. And that might be, you know, I've been in trades for a day or two and I've 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 ridden trends for a couple of years actually. My average holding period I would say is is about a year in on the local markets. I haven't um run my numbers, but the last time I looked was about a year. On the US markets, it's a lot shorter, um, and I think it's because it's just so brutal. Like, you know, there's a miss, and you kind of out uh, quite a lot quicker um, than in the local market, sure. which I actually find a lot easier. Yeah.
0: hey real quick, Richard, can That's... you educate somebody like me? Like the what is the main difference between the Johannesburg Exchange and the US markets? Is it that different, or is it very similar? Because the US markets, I'm sure, probably have a lot more stocks to trade. Am I right to think that?
2: Yeah, they do. So uh, the universe is massive. I mean, you've got the Dow, you've got the S&P, and you've got the NASDAQ. And they, they're all very different, sometimes act very differently. In fact, this year, the S&P and the Dow is, is kind of flat, and the NASDAQ is trending again, yep. um, with things like uh, Apple, uh, Microsoft, NVIDIA, things like that are really, really uh, taking off again this year. So um, they have quarterly earnings, first of all. So um, holding through earnings, you can see these big rips onto the up or downside. You don't typically see something like that happen in the local market share. So here they'll report every six months um, by by kind of, um, they're forced to report uh, six monthly, so an interim and a final. And um, it's it's a lot gentler. Um, And the guidance is not, you know, the expectation is not like a thousand analysts expecting this number. And if they miss it by one cent, it'll drop 20% overnight or after hours. It's a lot gentler, and if something really comes off the rails, there was a stock called Transaction Capital Now, which really unravelled. It was a geared sort of interest rate play. Um, you know, the price starts talking to you, and you kind of know before the time. I'd say the market's a lot less efficient here, and a lot less people covering it, um, as in the US. Um, and when you say less efficient, does that market. make it? Yeah, does that make yeah. it more manipulated? Yes, for, for sure. I mean, there's, there's often people calling out, calling out uh, that um, news is leaked before a stock exchange news news service announcement has come out. Um, you know, insider trading, <laughs> yeah. what might be classified as insider trading that's not in, in, investigated by the by the Johannesburg Stock Exchange uh, sort of watchdog. Yeah. So, so lesser regulation, yeah. less less
0: strict in that sense. Correct. Yeah. So, do you and, find that and, playing between both is the way to be? rather than just go all in because i'm curious like why if you because you've been trading for so long you easily could have left south africa and moved to america and just trade u.s markets because they're so much bigger so why have you i want to get to the like for the listeners why both why are you dipping in both should listeners be looking to dip in both in multiple markets like that
2: the the reason i have both is i think you know the dollar is a whole lot more powerful than the local um, south african rand particularly at the moment so i was looking to sort of grow my account there having a lot of dollars in the us and you know if you convert it back or if you need to go live there to grow your account that side as well so it's a bit of a diversification thing so if yeah. living here people you know all they talk about is get get rands offshore buy dollars and you know um preserve your wealth like that because it's just you know in an emerging market your your currency just weakens over time um i, I haven't done as well in the us over time um you know uh, and i think the reason i do better in the local market is just because i'm listening to analysts and commentators here the whole time as well as i've got my ear to the ground i'm seeing right okay retailers are dropping oh, it's obvious you know interest rates are going up the consumers under pressure but if i go to the mall i see there's nobody in the freaking shops and uh, there's no new cars driving around and um the lights are out and things like that so it's pretty obvious you know so um yeah having an edge to the gun where where is there there's just this massive universe of stocks and i kind of have an idea that you know home depot might be doing well or whatever but um and that can also be a disadvantage because you 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 know you can you can kind of get married to your position because you have this fundamental background about a business and you say oh no this doesn't make sense so you're kind of arguing in your mind i should hold on to the stock because the chart's not making sense um but I, i've largely yeah. overcome that you know i'll look at the chart and i'll say that's the price is the pure play and and just follow price you know so yeah
0: 100 percent. that makes sense um, did, you, did you have something you wanted to get in on that james
1: yeah yeah so I, I wanted to ask uh richard um i know a couple guys that trade that they trade the uh the the the, the JSE, right they they're big prop traders. I don't know if you've heard of the the prop firm. Um, it's in uh, Storm, Storm Storm Capital, Storm Trading. Storm Trading. One, I've actually visited yes, the office
2: in correct. Constantia, the Constantia office here, James. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. So so I know a couple of guys that used to work at the firm in in house, but now since COVID hit and everything, they they're working from 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 home here in Durban, South Africa. So uh, I was at a bra one night, a, a barbecue for the for the the, the Americans, and um, we got chatting about the markets and so forth. And and um, he was speaking about uh, uh, why they've actually also started to emerge into the, the the American markets, um because of the low volume that is actually traded on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, is that maybe a reason why you did it, You also moved to the the, the the american market as well as maybe why you didn't when you first got into trading uh try to look to day trade because of the low volume low liquidity uh, uh compared to like you know what you can look at the forex market and uh, you know where there's just you know so many so many people yeah. trading it
2: yeah i mean it, it wasn't the reason that i um that i went to the american market at all i think um when i was just in america in, in 2011 um i was just curious about this whole new world of stocks and you know my eyes were i went to visit the chicago board of trade and i went to visit the open outcry pits and i had stars in my eyes so I just opened an account with td ameritrade at the time and and started trading and all these new household names that i that i'd heard of that i could now suddenly trade Um, but i have heard from those traders and i do follow quite a few of them on twitter um and as i say, uh, i went to that house I, I don't know if they still trade from the house Um, i know exactly the house that is opposite the Constantial yeah. Mall. um I but don't think they do anymore because I think know, we had that the, guy the on died, here. Died.
0: and I think we had a guy on here. Sorry to cut you off. Okay. I, and right. I, I yeah, don't think they're yeah. trading from that house anymore. But go ahead. Sorry. Cool.
2: Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know they had Mike uh, Bella out there. At once yeah, day, they were trying. So, to, um,
0: yeah, they were trying to that do it. It right. was
2: years ago, though. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: So, so James, no, I think um, the, you know a lot of people have said that liquidity has dried up a lot in the market. I mean, really, you've got you've got a few, American Tobacco has as uh, a jewel list that hasn't really um done that much. So there's a few mega caps driving the JSE and keeping it kind of flat to up. Um other than that, um volumes I would say have dried, have dried up have a lot. And there've been a lot of delistings after COVID and things bought out at good at good prices. Yeah. 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 Can I ask Richard, why are you long only? <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I, like I said earlier, you know, I'm, I'm, it's something I've always done. But if I were to short something, um, I, I could probably do it on the on the local market because, I, as I said, the, the moves are not as vicious as as an American market. Um, I, I'm just so nervous of, um, and also being short, you can only kind of make a hundred percent. Whereas on my or leverage you can (laughs) can kind of yeah i mean you you can kind of make unlimited money on the on on the long side so what i'm i'm looking to do is kind of make 10 R on a trade or 20 R on a trade whereas um yeah yeah i don't know short things just never really kind of appealed to me i've just i've just but it's smart um, to stay away from it then
0: you know it's a good decision was that something you always did or did you try to short and you were like i just don't like this
2: no, I, I kind of was was warned against it, and i just never have tried it. I mean, I've, I've okay. bought books on shorting and that. It's just never kind of appealed to me, and, and it's it's nothing against. Um, you know, people say that that people who are short are, are kind of bad, and and they want the economy to to you know demise of the economy or the company. I, I you know, that's it's 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 required for functioning of capital markets, but it's Absolutely. not something that's appealed to me mm-hmm. and been part of my strategy. So. Makes sense. So when you talk about strategy to just get a little bit more
0: detailed in that, are you uh, looking for specific technical patterns that you might be able to describe to us, Richard, just to give the audience some context into exactly what you're looking for in these ideas?
2: You know, so, so looking at charts for, for, for a lot of time, you, you kind of get a sense. Um, my, my charts are pretty clean. I'll, I'll just put volume price in it and maybe a moving average or two on, um, and I'm mainly looking at, at horizontal kind of pivot points or horizontal support and resistance. That's my main um thing. And and I know people like Peter Brandt uh, will say that kind of technical analysis has got limited use these days and horizontal uh, lines are, are kind of the most useful things. So I, I, I kind of just draw draw a few of those on and I'll watch for the for a breach of those. And where they work really well is obviously in, in momentum-driven growth markets when You've got interest rates decreasing and um you know expansionary monetary policy going on and things like that, so I'll just kind of take a look at a chart, say this thing's going up, and i'll um this is the right time to get in and i'll and i'll and I'll go go ahead and go in um knowing the companies quite intimately as well, you kind of know what works in different cycles, so you know what sort of universe to zoom in at this point of the cycle as well um and which ones to kind of stay away from and which crowd favorites have kind of fallen out of favor. Um, and, uh, and and that's kind of how I go about business, yeah. I love it. And
0: it's interesting for us as the audience here, we'll have people on, that are day trading, people that are swing trading. It's very interesting to hear the perspective of like a long-only trader because recently we sat down with a guy, uh, his name is David. He is known as the reverse long. He is the opposite of the long. All he does is short. So it's really interesting it's to hear their perspective. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned Peter Brandt. Peter Brandt is the one who I credit for, of course, many things, but specifically the one for teaching me to stop. I never really liked drawing diagonal trend lines, wedges and stuff like that. I always... Liked break and retests of horizontal levels much more. I found wedges lead to fake outs very often. And when Peter tweeted once, like, stop drawing diagonal lines, trust horizontal levels, the break and a retest of a horizontal level is one of the best patterns you can trade. It just clicked. And then that was like it for me. So I'm curious, since we both have mentioned that we have taken influence from certain people, uh, some of the same people, who would you credit for Not teaching you how to trade, but like your methodology. You know how a lot of people will say, oh, I trade the William O'Neill strategy. I trade this way. I trade that way. What kind of – can you give an idea of that?
2: So, I mean, a a breakthrough book for me was probably Covell's trend following. Um, It's not one particular strategy that I mentioned that. And another guy I will credit uh, with um, kind of knowledge that I use from his work is um, Nick Raj, the chartist. Yeah, he, he doesn't get enough Oz. love. I know I've seen his work before. He's good. Yeah. Um, other people who've had an influence in my trading. Um David Paul, Dr. David Paul, Trader Davy. And he's good friends with Tom Hokart, who would have known through the you know, the best loser wins book, which has come out now. Um yep. and he's a he's really a day trader. David is more positional based trader, position based trader. Um, and then, from a psychological perspective, I think Steve Ward. I took one of his courses. He's really good. I've got his work, and uh, I enjoyed his course. Um, Traded your best, Mandy rafson and Johnny, who I did a kind of um, hour session with her, and uh, would probably go to her as a coach. Um, and but yeah, I, I would say that um, the pe- the folk that that uh, that. Michael Kovalt talk about in his book are probably the people that I follow the people that respect a lot. I probably have the most respect for someone like Peter Brandt. I think the guys, you know, stayed in, mm.
1: in,
2: in markets for 40 years. He respects markets so much. He's, he's such a student of the market. He works diligently on the weekend. He has his factor factor group, which is a private Twitter stream that he, that he tweets out to and has these um, interactive uh, calls every now and again. Um, you know, and, and he's come from the pits and he's traded futures his whole life and commodities. I, th- I think the guy's really a living legend, market wizard. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: Um, it's funny that you have so many different influences. And are any of those guys South African or are they all outside of South Africa?
2: So, David Paul lived in South Africa for a long time, okay? In he Victoria, did. which is okay. just north of Johannesburg. He's relocated to London, I I think probably close to 10 years ago and i Got think it. he ran a a show with that uh, tom hogart called which which way today for a while and they were trying to turn some money into a million pounds over a certain amount of time and i think they they're still very close friends he mentions them in his book but um they're no longer kind of associated in business i don't think um but david has relocated none of the other people are based in south africa
0: so that's interesting um, because, like, it's the it just shows the
2: day and age that we're living in about
0: like how we all learn and how we can take mentorship and ideas from all over the world yeah. using the internet. So, would you maybe just speak for a second on like over the years how you've seen technology enhance or maybe hurt trading? Sure.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, back when I started, I remember phoning phoning the broker to close a close a trade or. Um, open a trade sometimes Um I didn't have the know-how or I might you know I might have thought that somebody's waiting on the other end to try and kind of trick me or scalp scalp a few points out of my trade Um I don't think anyone phones the broker anymore not at um, all definitely not <laughs> and um y- yeah I mean uh, internet was a lot more patchy those days Um the, the brokerage hasn't it hasn't come down much on on sort of standard bank online share trading but we have got a bro- we have got a broker which I don't use, which has kind of taken trading to the masses, like a Robin Hood, which is called Easy Equities. I don't, I don't use that. It, it kind of really captured a whole of um, retail traders, which have newbies, which have kind of newbies. disappeared. Yeah, newbies, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I, I've moved on to TradeStation. I you know I don't know if that's uh, a, a good broker in your guys' lives. I'm not sure, but no, it um, definitely is. I a, know a guy that worked there crude- for 15 Crudeley, years. You, crude- yeah. Credibly
1: station. yeah. Oh
2: wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He... Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um...
1: Okay. So that's interesting.
0: So you've seen it kind of progress, but yet the brokerage you said you've been with them for a long time, so that really hasn't seen a bunch of. But that's just interesting because, like you know. You're seeing, I'm sure, the funding companies and the prop firms everywhere. I know there's a lot of guys in South Africa that are talking about that, right? So that's a big area that I always think about, like where technology has changed trading. So do you see a lot of younger guys and and new traders in your area in South Africa trying to get funded? Is that the thing that's popular there as well? Because it's so popular here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I see, I see James talking a lot about that and getting funded. I mean, I think, I think it's quite, it's quite brutal and quite tricky to, to kind of prove yourself in such a short period of time. It's, the, the, I don't know much about it, but I, from what I understand is that the hurdle rate is quite high. You have to make a certain amount in a certain month, and then you can progress to more funding. And it's kind of like pr- pruning the weeds and only the best survive, right? Absolutely. Um, and it's tough. Yeah, I think uh,
0: the, those firms that put the time restraint on it makes it tough for sure. There's some firms out there that do no time restraint, just have to re- return well. But it's interesting because like, for a guy like you who has equity experience and is long only, I'd be curious to know like, if you saw the spreads and the availability that these firms offer, would it interest you? Would it pique your interest enough to maybe get you over there to try to trade with them and leverage up some of their money? Have you thought about that at all?
2: I've never thought about it, um, you, you know, and it would be an interesting prospect because, um, uh, you know, I mentioned to you as well before we started this interview that uh, when I started to scale my account, that the numbers that I was starting to, you know, when you had to kind of press the sell button, you you knew how much of your money you're going to lose suddenly when there's a few more zeros on the end, you you kind of pause a bit before uh, crystallizing that loss, you know, so I had to work through a few of those issues Um when it's not someone else, when it's not your money and it's someone else's money, I suppose it's a it's a different prospect. But um, I, you know, I've always kind of wanted to eat my own uh, kill and uh, and do everything myself. 100%. And that's probably one of the reasons I haven't wanted to really run a fund is that you you have this whole responsibility of uh, um of other people who, who would come knocking on your door if you're underperforming for a few months, you know. Oh, not even um, a few I've months. If really you underperform
0: it. for a week, they're going to call you and say, Richard, <laughs> give me my money back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, Richard, uh, uh, I wanted to ask you a question. So I'm glad that so Richard and I have connected on Twitter. We've, uh, you know, in the last year, and I always appreciate. Um, you know, I love meeting guys like around your age and and and, and and learning from guys like that because. Because it's always, you know, I can always find so much uh, value and and uh, you know, laugh, experience and 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 learn a lot from you guys. Because uh, you started trading on on uh, I see on uh, in two. I've read through you know I have read all your tweets. I, I actually have notifications for your tweets. So just okay. just so you know, when you tweet next time, just make sure you know you tweeting. Just right so you thing. know, you're talking to your biggest <laughs> um, but, fan yeah. right
0: here now, Richard. <laughs> yeah.
1: So no, so I I love I love I love your perspective on things. So. Um, I mean, you've been trading since two thousand and three, so I, that's that's I was uh, five years old at the time. So, what would what advice would you give to um, to someone my age, or or even like a younger a younger Richard in their in their twenties? What some ad- advice, life advice, or trading advice that you would give to to someone in their twenties?
2: Sure. So. Um so i think you've got the passion james that's the first thing um you know uh you can see it shining through and uh the way you tweet as well you know um <laughs> you say a lot of things which, which which kind of resonate well and i think you've got to have a healthy mindset so you you know you want to be in markets and and where you want to go i think you've got to have some kind of purpose right so as well so you know i thought about this a lot and there when I first started trading, and I think what attracts you to a lot of people to trading is, you know, the fast car or trading from the beach hut with a cocktail on the, you know, and not many people are like that. Um, but, you know, and, and if I can just relate to a story or, or two. So you, you, you kind of get into it. And there was a chap called Tom Canfield who traded for 20 years and then he lost, I think, $500,000 in an hour. He came on Stephen Goldstein's podcast yes. and, um, he relayed the story and it took him 18 months to, to, to get it back and he came on I think three years later it still stirred up all those emotions and you know he almost had a breakdown after that and after that experience you know he was just trying to you know get this condo in Aspen and all that stuff and, and it kind of brought brought back what was what was real to him and um, that was spending time with his kids and he moved closer to them and, and scaled down his life a bit so that got me thinking a lot so at this part of your life, James, you, I mean, you, you, you've got a girlfriend, you like your golf, you work out, you, you're doing all the writings, you're journaling. So, you know, keep on with that. Um, at, you know, But but I think think to yourself, what do you want out of trading long term? Um, and hold that as, as kind of your, you know, in the back of your mind. Uh, what are you trying to get out of it? Is it a puzzle you're trying to solve? Because that's what kind of keeps me interested. And I don't think I'll ever let it go because you can never really solve the market, you know. Um and then stick at it. You know, you're gonna have periods of ups and downs and take those lows and learn from them and always kind of have a mastery mindset. So, you know, keep keep your workouts going, um, keep, keep journaling, um, keep keep thinking what's one thing that I can do better today to be a better trader than I was yesterday. And you and you'll never quite master mm-hmm. it ever, I think. But you'll always, you know, keep honing your craft towards that sort of mastery mindset, yeah. You know? That
0: would be my Yeah, I love that. That was very well said. I'm curious if you don't mind Richard, I'd like to bounce to a different question because that was good for like the the younger guys to hear. You've mentioned interest rates a couple of times and I know I have listeners of the podcast that are very technical and that's why I try to ask some of the questions about strategy and analysis specifically like as I do. So when you mentioned interest rates, from your perspective now trading both US and the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, how influential is the U.S. Fed to you and interest rates here and the CPI here? How much of that do you pay attention to? And how, if you could, not how much do you pay attention to it also, but how do you use it in your trading? Because you're looking on longer time frames, So I'm curious how far
2: forward looking are you there? So, you know, I, I I don't kind of listen to the Fed minutes um, and and kind of there's people that hang on every word of of what the guy's saying. Um, I, I'm always aware of when announcements are, are getting made and when, you know, people always put the first thing they put out on Twitter is, you know, interest rates were raised or they're going to pause or they're going to pivot. And I think it's just got worse and worse over the years because everybody's hanging on every single word um, and analyzing these AI algorithms that are kind of looking at these sort of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm cognizant of it. What i'm more interested in is the reaction of the markets i don't actually you, you know i'll turn it over in my mind a bit but what i want to know is how our home builders going to react to that how are, how's discretionary spend going to be affected um how's the consumer going to get squeezed because we'll typically follow here your know, interest rates go up in the us they're going to go up in south africa as well um and uh they raising them here to kind of defend the rand's demise which is not really working at the moment and um it's it's squeezing the consumer a lot there and here. And um this is all part of part of cycles of markets, you know. Um, we've had 10 years of excess and exuberance and now rates are getting raised and we've kind of got to go through that those first few years of the presidential cycle, and then it's gonna they're gonna start easing again, and then we'll have a new president and then things will be good again. And you know, so um I'm more interested in, in the reaction of the market than what the guy's actually gonna say. Um that makes sense. No, that makes total. From sense. a longer-term perspective, I might miss out on a few ticks here and there, but uh, I'll let the bars kind of do their thing. And the end of the day, I'll, I'll reflect and kind of what does this all mean, and then and and where to from here.
0: Do you see us then 2024, 2025? I saw a chart today. The Fed is projected to have lower Fed funds rate. And that's like you just said, a year after a new president is elected. Maybe things start to we start to get more bullish there. Is that what you would be anticipating? Is that the time you'd see some acceleration in the cycle?
2: Yeah, I think I think um, you know, the people were talking about um cuts towards the end of this year. I might be it might be a bit premature, perhaps it's early next year, but certainly um I don't think we're going to go into a 1929 kind of crash, which is a lot of people are kind of saying, um, I think we're almost there. Uh, we, you know, We've had record inflation. I think we're going to have record interest rates to kind of tame it for a while, but we've already turned the corner interest rates. Uh, I mean, inflation has started to turn down um, and we st- we're starting to see that coming through um, into everything now. So I think we're, we're kind of almost there. And yeah, the, markets think- will, the markets will see through that and they'll start to turn before... Um, we actually know it, Of course. And I mean, you could argue that maybe we already have. Look at NASDAQ, like you mentioned
0: already. It's If you look yeah. at it from the bottom, I mean, it's up, what, 30% this year or something like that. We've been talking, James and I together have been saying, like, if we see – extended bullish momentum people will look back and say oh nasdaq pulled us out of that bear market do you have a theory on why that is do you think nas is pulling us out because of the future with technology like there's not really another sector that's going to pop up and take over it's going to be these tech companies that just develop ai and the new generation like technology is still going to be the the next boom don't you agree like you know how we had the the dot-com bubble you could even say was technology driven right
2: yeah I think the Nasdaq will always tend to to kind of lead us up and be there there'll always be a, a new basket of companies, a new 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 set of leaders that you know, if you look at William O'Neill's uh, can slim tech uh, slim methodology, um it you know, it talks about the new leaders and the new tech, uh, the new guys that are, that the kind of current quarterly earnings are going up and um it's always the innovative industries that kind of lead us through. Um and I think it's always the the mega caps that start that, you know. So we're seeing that now, as I said, with with Apple, uh, with Microsoft, with NVIDIA. Um, and then you'll see some other things come through, like companies like Super Micro computers and things like that. Um, uh, for a while, it was biotech a few years ago. And, yeah, I remember. Um, Still like, yeah. occasionally
0: a biotech will rip out of nowhere because of some press release that comes out. That was what put yeah. me off from trading stocks when I first got into it. I was like, I don't want to trade a market that gets so easily manipulated. So what mm. pushed you away have you tried to trade Forex is the right way I should ask that. Did, yeah. Have you ever been interested
2: was, in that? Yeah, I was waiting for that. So I actually started, I, I was really <laughs> interested. In, I don't know what drew me to it, but uh, I actually started with that. And I, I bought a I bought a black box and, uh, and attended a, a seminar at a hotel maybe 20 years ago when I first started oh. out. And it's uh, a company called Data Signal International. If you try to find them on the internet now, they don't exist. Of course. Uh, I can't remember what I paid for the course, but it was a dollar amount and... Uh, you just had to kind of and they get, they they you installed charts it was very fancy for in that day and age, but it would be you know kind of a tenth of what sort of trading view gives you these days and um they had signals which said "Go long and go short." they taught you the guy phoned you from Canada for an hour on your cell phone, which was quite fancy at the time and um had this cool accent and then you you know you got these signals that came through your phone and you could pay for the signal to come to your cell phone for a hundred dollars to tell you when to get in and get out. And that was kind of their, their tech at the time. So I followed this thing and um, you know, you couldn't really automate and set and forget things at the time. So I would kind of go to sleep and then I'd, I'd wake up when my, sc- you know, the Asian session was on and, I, and my screen would be going blip, 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 and the, the pips would kind of be going faster and faster to wake up and then, you know, eventually I was just a zombie after like three hours of sleep and <laughs> my thousand my dollar account at the time was, was uh, smashed in no time. And, and I was like, okay, no, this is too tricky and uh, I can't afford a hundred dollars for a signal, so it's not worth it. No, that's and, a I funny story. On
0: stocks. <laughs> and it just shows the signal scammers have been around for a lot longer than people realize <laughs> it's true, right?
2: Yeah.
1: That is funny. That is actually pretty funny because that's exactly what still happens today except a lot it's, really, a yeah. lot more easier. Yeah, access. now
0: it's oh join my Telegram group for $50 a month and I'll call signals. Meanwhile, and, they could in my head yeah. I'm like I'll just start that and I'll just call random shit and people will think it's like real. Like how would you like who would believe that? It's crazy that people think they're going to get $50 and they're going to get winning signals for to make money. It's just Yeah. It's mind-blowing. Um, No, that's funny, Richard. So it's funny that that's what's pushed you to equity. So that's that's great. Um, I was originally pushed to forex for the low barrier to entry, and now I've come around. I haven't traded a forex pair since November of last year, so I'm really just Bitcoin and and SPX and Nasdaq. Like that's where I'm really finding my stride right now. So James is still our forex guy, definitely still our forex guy. Massive Um, market, yeah massive market massive market um but this has been really really interesting richard to hear your perspective on things i think my audience is really going to like this because you're different than some of the day traders that we've had on here but you have a ton of experience which shows in your answers so here's my final question for you if you don't mind can you share one of the biggest mistakes biggest losses biggest setbacks you've had in trading and how you overcame it cool
2: yeah um so I mean, if we just go back to when I when I said I'd grown my account, so it was it was a few years ago when kind of COVID hit and everything had dived off a cliff. And um, I'm quite good at um, pulling pulling my sales, um and when it hit, hits my stop loss, So I was carrying a lot of cash. But um, you know, the size of the trades had had ratcheted up quite a lot, and 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 the you know the number of zeros on the end was kind of frightening me a lot. So I, I let a, a trade just slip a couple of days past the egg where I should have exited. And a little bit of bad news compounded itself, and you know you, you leave this thing one more day and one more day, and you think, okay, it'll come back, it'll come back. And and the longer you leave it, it's just like a, a baptism of fire. You 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 know you, the, the the nausea just grows and grows day by day. So this loss just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Eventually, I capitulated. I kind of lost. I don't know, it was fifty percent on the on the trade. Um, luckily, I was I was sized accordingly in my account, but it was it was thirty percent more than I kind of wanted to lose um i did come back to that stock and make most of it back and it's something you shouldn't really do in revenge trade with that stock um but that that kind of point was a low point in my in my sort of trading career if i could call it and i had to work through a lot of stuff i think that was the time i really took steve's course and uh and went into the whole mental aspect of things because you know he was such a disciplined guy and i just broke my own rule and and it happens to everybody you know everybody does it um tom did it after um 20 years, right? Uh, right? And it just takes one slip and you can mm. blow yourself up. So you just got to be on the lookout for that the whole time. So,
0: And when you took, this is the, I think the more, I appreciate you sharing that a lot. This is the more important part of the story though. After the loss, what did you do next? Take a break, go right back into trading. What did you do? Because everyone has experience that to a different degree all of us yeah so what, do, what would be the proper way to handle it now with your experience if it was to happen again like tom in that story tom canfield took a trip to colorado came back still was not on point took another trip to colorado and then came back and clawed yeah. it all back slowly so that's why i'm curious what is yeah. your resolution to it you know what i mean
2: so what I did, um, I, I dived into a lot of books and I was kind of asking for some answer and, uh, you know, I took a course and I think you really, it was just my mind needing some time out and and maybe it should have been a physical trip somewhere or, you know, but I took a lot of walks. I used to walk the dog and walk around the park and listen to the wind blowing and look for signs and you pray and, you know, you kind of do what you can to kind of look for an answer. And um, I think you eventually just work through it, Um the textbook answer would be scale down you, you know if you're taking a, a bet size of two percent you take one percent or you take half a percent um as you are um and just come back slowly i mean you you will get your confidence back it's trading. Trading is a game about you know confidence and sometimes you're reading the market like you know like sheet music and other times it's you just feel nowhere um so it was one of those moments where i just wasn't in sync um, so I would recommend, yeah, maybe a physical trip is, is is the right way to do it. I know Tom Tom Hogart takes long walks on the beach, and um, you know, I think just just kind of take some time out and meditate. A lot of people have different ways of doing it, whether it's physical meditation, listening to your breath. I I'll go for a run, um, and just uh, just try and work through that. Yeah. I love that. I uh, I live in Florida,
0: so I do a little bit of everything. I'll go hit the gym, get the hard workout in. I'll do the long walk on the beach occasionally if my wife drags <laughs> me out there. The problem with the long walk on the beach is like I have too much energy. Sometimes I'm like, God, I just want to be back at the desk. But that's exactly when I know I need to be at the beach and not be at the desk. You know what I mean? That's exactly when you yeah, got to yeah, slow yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that analogy. You, you slip that in there real quick, reading it like sheet music. I played piano my whole life, so I can read sheet music pretty well. That's a really good analogy because there are times where I feel like I'm just like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen in the market. And then there's times like a couple of days ago when we – I think it was a couple of weeks ago. There was an FOMC meeting coming. I couldn't read SPY. haven't traded – couldn't find a trade on SPY for like seven days, not a single one. Just couldn't read it. And I think one thing that you do well, Richard, and you push this in some of the stuff you've said today is like know when the market is performing and be ready to perform. And then like you just said, if you can't read it, if you can't see it, just stay away. Don't lose money. And I think you would probably say that's one of the keys that's kept you alive, right?
2: Yeah, there's. I think there's a time for everything in life and in the markets, um, and particularly for a trend trader. There's times when the markets not trending, and there's a times when the market's going sideways, and you enter something because one or two stocks are going up, but not. There's no breadth in the market, and you'll get chopped up like a liver. And, um, and there's other times where you can really make a fortune, and and trading becomes easy, and and you and you you kind of flow with it, like riding a wave, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I love it.
0: I love it. All right, everybody. This has been great. Richard, I appreciate you giving us the time. We're right on time here. James, thank you as well. F- Richard, for everybody that wants to connect with you, is Twitter the best place to do that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a website or anything. So um, if you want to follow what I do, it's uh, Richie, T-R-I-C-H-Y-T-E-E. And that's my Twitter handle. And um, you'll find me there.
0: Beautiful. And we'll make sure that that is linked down in the description below. So we'll have everybody follow you there and connect with you there. But Richard, It's been a pleasure. It's really good to connect with you. We really appreciate you coming on the show. James, thank you for making time even while you're traveling too. I know that this has been one of the guests you definitely wanted to be a part of, so I'm glad to have you here. And to all of our listeners, we appreciate you guys always, always, always. So thank you for the time. Make sure you're subscribed, and we'll see you guys in the next episode.